Hosea chapter 10. We're going to read the entire chapter. Our sermon series continues, Make America Repent Again. Make America Repent Again. And as you're turning there to Hosea chapter 10, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about what's going on on the, the West Coast, what's going on on the East Coast, what's going on in the world today. We've been in this sermon series now for several weeks. Uh, we had the Gideons come last week and talk about the distribution of the Word of God around the world. And thank you, Beulahland Baptist Church, for supporting the Gideons International. We took up a special love offering for them. Over $300 was raised to go and support their ministry and be able to buy more Bibles. Uh, but you think about what we've been saying for the last several weeks, that the key to making America great again is America repenting. And we see what's happening in the world, and I said it several Sundays ago, there's a lot of talk among theologians and among pastors about a shaking, an event on the horizon that will shake things to their core. And I, I thought about it this past week with all that has happened. First of all, if you're an ostrich with your head in the sand, you may not know that there's wildfires on the West Coast that are spreading and, and tearing up thousands and thousands and thousands of acres as well as wildlife. That's happening in California and on the West Coast. And then you look at the earthquakes that have recently happened. Devastation in Haiti. Uh, we need to remember the people of Haiti and what they've been through. It kind of gets swallowed up with all the other news that's happening. But Haiti has now suffered two major earthquakes in a relatively short period of time. And the first one years ago uh, devastated their infrastructure. This one is just wreaking havoc even more. Then there was a hurricane that headed right towards Mexico. Uh, ironically, uh, one of the hurricanes was named Grace. If that's not a sign from God that, uh, that his, the only thing that holds back the wrath of God is the grace of God. Uh, but Hurricane uh, Grace went towards Tulum, which if you know anything about archaeology and you know anything about Mexico, that's one of the greatest Mayan temples in Tulum. They just recently invested a lot of money trying to make that a huge resort with all the other things going on in Mexico. They were trying to promote a peaceful area that you could go to and stay at a resort. That hurricane blew through there and has caused all kinds of devastation. Not only that, but then you have this other hurricane, Henri, Henri. Uh, I don't know why we wouldn't just call it Henry, but anyway, maybe Henry had already been used and we gotta get fancy. Henri, for the first time in over 30 years, areas that normally don't get affected by major hurricanes are right there in the pathway. Uh, it started this past week with a lot of wind and storm surge. Washington, D.C. flooded. Many areas and many streets in Washington, D.C. were totally flooded by the, 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 the preview of the hurricanes and the tropical depression and storms that were coming up that area. Long Island hasn't had a hurricane in over 30 years, and uh, that's a possible area that it will be going through later this afternoon. There's a lot of strange stuff happening, and then you think about all that we watched this past week with Afghanistan and the, the enormous amount of people and crowds trying to flee as the Taliban has taken over. You didn't hear the word Taliban for over four years. You didn't hear anything about them. They hid like cowards because that's who they are. But they, they didn't do anything for four years. And now all of a sudden, uh, because of a lack of planning and an overemphasis,
emphasis on policies instead of actual execution of a withdrawal plan. Uh, you take your military out first and then leave all this equipment over there and all these civilians and all these contract workers that are American citizens. Don't lose sight of this. There are American citizens now trapped in Afghanistan that want out, that want to get out, and they have no way because the Taliban has established checkpoints and will not allow these people to flee. Some of them have been able to get out, but many of them are left behind because of lack of proper planning and because of an overemphasis on policies instead of execution. So this morning, before we even read our scripture, before we even get into Make America Repent Again, I want us to spend just a moment in prayer for Afghanistan. First of all, for the country. Second of all, for the people that are there, whether they be Muslim, whether they be Christian or other, we need to pray for them because that country right now is in a state of chaos. Uh, then we also need to remember to pray for the Americans that are over there, perhaps because of a job, perhaps because of a teaching opportunity, uh, perhaps because of something else, but they're over there, and they're an American citizen, and we don't leave anyone behind. Amen. And so would you join me as we take a moment and pray for what's going on in Afghanistan? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we've watched the images of so many people crowding around the cargo plane. We watch them literally crawl up inside the landing gear. We watch them try and hang on to a plane as it was leaving because they feared staying in Afghanistan. We watch their desperation and we see the panic in their faces. We watched mamas fling their children across a wall just to say, please, if you can't take me, please take my child to safety. God, our hearts are broken. Our hearts cry out for your hand, for your intervention in this situation that most of us probably believe could have been avoided. But whether it could be avoided or not, it's now what we face. It is now what we see. And so, Father, forgive us for, for doing things and then asking you to fix our mess-ups. We should come to you first, and we should ask for your hand, your blessing, your guidance. But I've been guilty of doing something and then asking you to fix my mess. So it's no different with this situation. We pray for Afghanistan. We're joining with millions of other Christians right now, as Franklin Graham has called us to a time of prayer. And we're asking for your intervention in Afghanistan and in this chaos that somehow, some way, that through a miracle of you, there would be peace and a re resolution. We pray for the Americans that are trapped over there. For the people themselves that are trapped over there that don't want to be a part of this new regime, the Taliban. We ask God that, that you would rescue them, get them out of that situation. That, Father, now that, that it has turned into this, that perhaps the darkest day can become the most revealing of your glory. The darkest situation can reveal your light. They tell us that there are many Christians in Afghanistan, of all the countries in Afghanistan, of all the countries in the Middle East, the Afghanistan has a very large percentage of Christians. So perhaps it'll be in this moment, in this hour, in this crisis, where your glory is most revealed. So, Father, have your way. We're praying for the people. We're praying for the country. In Jesus' name, amen.
Would you stand as we read from Hosea chapter 10, Make America Repent Again. This is our sermon series, and I hope by now you, you recognize that the key to making America great is not our prosperity, not our politicians, but the key to making America great is our repentance, our humility before a holy God. Hosea chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Israel is a lush vine. It yields fruit for itself. The more his fruit increased, the more he increased the altars. The better his land produced, the better they made the sacred pillars. These are places of idol worship, idol sacrifices. Their hearts are devious. Now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and demolish their sacred pillars. In fact, they are now saying, we have no king. For we do not fear the Lord. What can a king do for us? They speak mere words, taking false oaths while making covenants. So lawsuits break out like poisonous weeds in the furrows of a field. The residents of Samaria will have anxiety over the calf of Beth-Avon. Indeed, its idolatrous priests rejoice over it. The people will mourn over it, over its glory. It will certainly depart from them. The calf itself will be taken to Assyria as an offering to the great king. Ephraim will experience shame. Israel will be ashamed of its council. Samaria's king will disappear like foam on the surface of the water. The high places of Avon the sin of Israel will be destroyed. Thorns and thistles will grow over their altars. They will say to the mountains, cover us. And to the hills, fall on us. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, when we read a passage like this, it cuts through a lot of the distractions and it cuts through the pride that we may have today sitting here in church. The ego that is puffed up or the pride. Father, it doesn't take much to look at this passage and see the parallel with the United States of America and how our prosperity has led to our pride. Our prosperity has led to idolatry, just as it did in the days of Hosea. So we repent of that. We ask you to forgive us of that. And we ask today, God, that just as in the days of Hosea, that prophet cried out and said, repent, repent. And that is what you seek today. Those who would repent, turn from their wicked ways, turn to you, and then you'll heal the land. Father, have your way in this service. Let your spirit reign supreme. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Continue in verse 9. Israel, you have sinned. Since the days of Gibba, they have taken their stand there. Will not war against the unjust overtake them in Gibba? I will discipline them at my discretion. Nations will be gathered against them to put them in bondage for their two crimes. Ephraim is a well-trained calf that loves to thresh, but I will place a yoke on her fine neck. I will harness Ephraim. Judah will plow. Jacob will do the final plowing. Sow righteousness. This was on the front of your bulletin. Sow righteousness for yourselves and reap faithful love. Break up your unplowed ground. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes. 
Somebody say amen. amen. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and sends righteousness on you like the rain. When was the last time you danced in the rain? When was the last time instead of doing this, oh, 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 like it's going to hurt you, hello? Like it's going to make your hair fall out or something. Good gracious. Listen, I, I, next time it rains, I, I want to see y'all out there in the downpour and allow it to cover you. And remember this verse from, remember that verse from tw verse 12. Look at it again. Until he comes and sends righteousness on you like the rain. Be like a child. Children aren't scared of the rain. They go out and dance in it and play in it. I want to see us the next time it rains. Instead of uh, putting a newspaper over your old hair because you just got it dead on Tuesday, I want to see you out there saying, pour it on me, God, pour it on me. Rain ain't never hurt anybody. Remember when they scared us about 40 years ago? Acid rain, acid rain. It's going to melt your cars. It's going to melt your house. Acid rain. You know what I did back then and you know what I do now? <laughs> give me some, give me some. Good gracious. Ain't never hurt nobody. Rain's good. Just ask a crop. Rain's good. Just ask your garden. I want to see it rain. Then look at verse 13. You have plowed wickedness and reaped injustice. You have plowed wickedness and reaped. And you, you will, watch, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Hello? I don't know why we keep thinking, well, I, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to ask the Lord to bless me. No, no. You better be, you better be planting and sowing in righteousness. So that what comes up out of that ground, what blossoms, ain't filth and ugliness and vulgarity, but it is blessings and pure and righteousness. Hello? It says there, you have eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your own way. Come on, somebody. You have trusted yourself instead of God. You have trusted Oprah. Instead of God. You have trusted the politicians instead of God. You have trusted money instead of what it tells you on the money. In God we trust. He goes on to say, and in your large number of soldiers, that's what you place your trust in, the size of your military. The roar of battle will rise against your people, and all your fortifications will be demolished in a day of war, like Shalman's destruction of Beth Arbel. Mothers will be dashed to pieces along with their children. So it will be done to you, Bethel, because of your extreme evil. At dawn, the king of Israel will be totally destroyed. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Throughout this passage, you see that in Hosea's day, the people of Israel were, were drifting from God. In Hosea's day, the people of Israel were drifting from God. The prosperity of Israel, the blessings of God's hand upon Israel had caused them, instead of being thankful, instead of being grateful, instead of being obedient, it caused them to go, look at my garden. Look at what I've done. Look at my possessions. 
I have so many possessions. I have possessions in storage. I have possessions in my patio. I have possessions in my attic. Look at all that I have. Look at my stuff. And my stuff is better than your stuff. In Hosea's day, this was happening, and it's happening today. Yes, it is. It's happening today. Yes. Our prosperity and our possessions has taken our focus off of God as a country. And there are consequences for that that Hosea warned Israel about. And there are consequences for that that I'm trying to warn you about. Amen. Do you sense a shaking? Yeah. Do you sense a great awakening? Do you sense yeah, something yeah, happening? That yeah. it, I mean, people are like, there's a lot going on in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln once said, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. Abraham said, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. Notice in verse 2, in verse 2, Hosea the prophet says, Their hearts are devious. Their hearts are devious. Another prophet that came around about 100 years, uh, 150 years apart from Hosea was a guy by the name of Jeremiah. And listen to what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 17 and 9 sounds awfully similar to what we read in Hosea chapter 10, verse 2. But listen to Hosea uh, chapter Listen to Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. The heart is more deceitful than anything else. The heart is deceitfully wicked. It goes on to say, and incurable. Who can understand it? Jeremiah said that. Hosea said it in a very similar way. Their hearts are devious. And yet, what does this generation say? Go with your heart. Trust your heart. Trust your heart. Trust it in my heart. Trust your heart. Lord have mercy if I took it to my heart. I mean, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what people tell you, though. Go with your heart. Go with your heart. This is just put this in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really, my key, but <laughs> the, the generation will tell you, go with your heart. Go with your heart. Look at what that got people in Hosea's day. Amen. Look at what it got people in Jeremiah's day. And look at what it's doing to us today. Amen. Go with your heart. Yes. Go with God. Amen. Go with God. Amen. Notice it talks about empty words. It says there in Hosea chapter 10, they speak mere words, taking false oaths while making covenants. Then it talks about lawsuits breaking out. As I read this, I felt like it was taken from today's headlines. Mm -hmm. Empty words. Word, you know, a handshake used to mean something. Amen. A person's word used to mean something. Yes. A person's word was their bond. Yes. You didn't need a signature on a piece of paper. And now, by the way, that signature on a piece of paper doesn't mean anything because of litigation. Do you recognize that we live in the most litigious society in the world, and we are the most litigious generation in the world? Now, some of you on Slido are like, define that for me. Litigious <laughs> meaning lawsuit. 
remain legal conflict. Especially those in Bristol, though. They need to know. I had never fished for that lure before, but you did. And some watch them on Facebook are like, oh, I think I'll name my next town that. Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! Litigious, maybe lawsuits, conflicts in the court. I spend uh, every week of my life in a courtroom. Y'all watch it on TV, that's fake court. I am in the real court. Ain't no Justice Jackie ruling in this court. This is a real judge sitting on a bench. And the stuff that I see in court, I'm like, what are you kidding me? The lawsuits that people bring. And let me just say this. You think about all the stuff that we've gotten ourselves into because of lawsuits. On a hairdryer, it says, don't use this while in the bathtub. Now, Lloyd, I probably shouldn't be asking you because it doesn't look like you've used a hairdryer in a few years. <laughs> but let me just ask you, back in the day, back in the day, would you have ever thought of using a hairdryer in the bathtub? I think it was Rodney Dangerfield that said one time, my mama didn't love me. My mama didn't love me. I didn't have respect. My mama used to give me a post though and to play in the bathtub. Hey! <laughs> But you and I know toaster ovens and blow dryers don't mix well with water. Yeah. How about this? Did you know this? That in an RV that you buy today, a fifth wheel or a trailer, an RV, there's a label because of a lawsuit on the steering wheel that says, do not set the cruise control and leave the steering unattended to go to the back of the RV and take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what that means? That means somebody tried it. I'm going to set the cruise control and you and I are going to go to the back bedroom and have us a nap. Yep. Sounds good to me. They put that thing on cruise control and went back to the back and had a wreck, I'm sure. So now there's this big warning label. Well, how about this? The coffee at McDonald's. Who knew it was supposed to be hot? Some of you boo-boo people that drink sugar coffee. Don't no, tell me you I love coffee. No, you like cream and milk and ice. Real people, real people drink coffee hot and black. There you go. But who knew at McDonald's that the coffee may be hot? <laughs> and who knew that when you're in a car and you exchange from the car to the window that it could spill on you and give you bad burns? But now there's a big warning label. And here's what it caused. You know what it caused? It caused the price of a cup of coffee to go up. You know what it caused? It caused the price of an RV to go up. You know what it caused? It caused the cost of a hairdryer to go up. Being in a litigious society is no benefit to you because it causes products to cost more than they should. It causes opportunities to be less because people are scared of lawsuits. Every time we turn around, somebody's going, what will our insurance say about that? They'll say, don't do it, but keep paying your premium. <laughs> and as soon as you file a claim, you call up. Oh, we don't know you. Who are you? Well, I've been paying you my premium. Hello? <laughs> Lawsuits have caused higher prices, <laughs> higher risk, and less opportunities. It does not benefit us. And in the days of Hosea, look at what he says. He compares it to poisonous weeds. I'm going to show this to my lawyer friends. So lawsuits break out like poison. I'm just kidding. I don't have any lawyer friends. Lawsuits break out like poisonous weeds in the furrows of a field. 
There's a lot of weeds, a lot of lawsuits out there. I feel sorry for our friends, even church members here today that own small businesses. The things they would love to do and the opportunities they'd like to give children and adults and different people with their products and their services that they offer, they have to consider the liability of things. They have to go, oh, well, I don't know. And so if you ever wonder why is there not more to do around here, thank your attorney friends. If you ever wonder why we as a church can't do certain things, thank lawsuits. It's really sad. Look at verse 8. Verse 8, the latter part. They will say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. You've read that before and you've heard it before. And let me just remind you of where. Luke 23 and verse 30. Luke 23 and verse 30. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. It's also in the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 6 and verse 16, this is what it says. <clears throat> and they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Can you imagine a generation in Hosea's day and a generation today that because of what they're suffering and because of the misery, they'd be willing to say, fall on us cover us they'd be willing in other words they're asking for death because death is better than the misery that they're experiencing because of the judgment of god that has come upon them they're saying to the rocks come on they're saying to the mountains come on they'd rather die do you understand that these people in hosea's day were given multiple opportunities to repent don't lose sight of this they were given multiple warnings but they kept hitting the snooze they kept covering up the check engine light. They kept saying, oh, that ain't for me. That's for those people, them people, those. Instead of looking in the mirror and saying, this is for me. This is for me. These people had plenty of chances to repent, but their pride deceived them into thinking, I'll take care of that tomorrow. Now, look, I normally don't quote bar marquee sign. But right down the road, on their marquee, it says, free beer tomorrow. <laughs> now, don't go confession. We don't know. Don't, don't, don't do that. I don't know that. I wonder how many people from Brixton are probably saw Tomorrow, I'm going to start trying to do good. 
good by the Lord. Read my Bible tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Procrastination is a tool of the enemy. If God has called you to do something, do it now. If God has called you to do something, if the Holy Spirit's moving in you, do it now. Don't live like the people in Hosea's day with the arrogance of saying, I'll take care of that tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow is deceitful. Now, draw your attention to verse 12. So righteousness for yourselves and reap faithful love. Break up your furrowed or unplowed ground. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and sends righteousness on you like the rain. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to repent. It's time to get right. There is no tomorrow. We've been living under a delusion that we'll always have another opportunity. That is a delusion of the great deceiver. That is a delusion of the great deceiver. You have this moment now. This moment now. History is a mystery. And the future cannot be known. But God has given you a gift. And that is why we call it the present. Most gracious Heavenly Father, in this moment, right here, right now, there are people that sense you calling them to do something. There are people right now that feel that Holy Spirit on them. They may not know what it is, but they sense it. They know it. They, they, they can tell something's happening. And I pray that they would submit, that they would surrender, that they would yield to you. I pray right here in this moment, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, but right here in this moment, they would respond. Right here in this moment, they would obey. Right here in this moment, they would make a change. Right here in this moment, they would take action. The key to us making America great is making America repent. And the key to that is me. The key to that is you. <laughs> we always look at the other people. We always talk about them and those. But what about you? Will you repent today? There may be someone here that has never made the decision to be born again. They, they know about Jesus. They know about God. They may have even grown up in church. But there's never been a point that they remember saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, save me. I, I want to live my life for you, Jesus. I pray that if there's somebody here today that's never made that decision, that's never prayed a prayer like that or something similar, that today, this moment, they would make it right. There may be others here that call themselves Christians. They, they remember a time that they became born again, a time that they gave their life to Jesus. But they don't see a lot of humility in their own life. They don't see a lot of the blessings that they know you have in store for them. And it could very well be because they've been sowing in wickedness. It could be that they've been sowing in unrighteousness. The Father, have your way. Holy Spirit, move. There's somebody looking for a church to be a part of, somebody that needs to be baptized. This altar will be open. People can come down and pray. People can pray right there at their seat. Brother Larry will be standing down here. I'll be standing down here. We're ready to talk, to pray, to answer questions. Have your way in this invitation. In Jesus' name.